All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another edition of Shabbat Lounge. This is Matt. And Jake here. We appreciate you stopping by and taking a minute to uh, check us out. So uh, speaking of checking us out, which many people like to do, yes. check us out. You can go find <laughs> so check us, us out. <laughs> you can go find us at uh, Spotify is one place. So, and here's an example of uh, what it looks like in uh, Spotify. Um, so there's Sabbath Lounge, but uh, you can find us on multiple platforms, and we do this little thing. What do we call this thing, Jake? I believe we call this one Talking Torah. Talking Torah with Sabbath Lounge. With Sabbath Lounge, that's right. And. Um, what else can we say about this? What's oh. what week are we on? We're week sixteen, and how do you say this? This is Beishalak, Beishalak, Beishalak. Which uh, Jake wondered if this is the origin of shellacking, right? Because uh, uh, it's a nice waterproofing agent to pre preservation method, right? Uh, and I think of the Red Sea crashing in, shellacking someone. Shellac. Yeah, give them a shellacking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, that'll that. help you remember this. So, well, it'll confuse you. <laughs> yes, yes. So anyway, so where we'll do, where do we find this, Matt? Exodus thirteen seventeen through seventeen sixteen. Lots oh, what is, what what does be shellacking mean for real though? When he sent. When he sent. Oh, when so he sent. So that's what we're going to talk about, and we kind of touch base a little bit of last week. Uh, the last time we're kind of behind on these, but eventually at some point you may be listening to these in, in the future <laughs> at exactly the right time. Right. So hopefully That's the beauty of the Torah portions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, yeah, so we're just trying to hit the highlights. This is high end, you know, hit the main points of something that, you know, we try to throw in stuff that not everyone is talking about. So, you know, so hopefully you get a little bit of, Benefit Something. from coming to our channel. And bottom line, we hope that you go and read it for yourself. Yes. So maybe this uh, um, will prompt you to do that. Maybe, you know, think about some things you hadn't thought about. But You yeah, should be perfect. stimulated. It's a stimulant, you see. A stimulant for your mind. Right. All right. So anyway, just an interesting point to catch us up to, to this week's Torah portion is that at the end of last week's Torah portion, it talks about an interesting subject, this idea that unleavened bread was a sign on your hand and frontlets on your eyes, between your eyes. And so what does that sound like to you, Matt? Well, part of it um, sounds like the scripture in Deuteronomy 6 about um, tie them on your... Um, it mentions the frontlets uh -huh. and the sign and the commandments. Right. And there's no, n uh, definitely a connection between the, the what it's asking you to tie on you and the word right. and bread and Yeshua being the bread of yeah. life. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of connections here, actually, to yeah. lots of things. Yeah, and it's funny because you just read over it. But this frontlet to your eyes and and on your hand, sign on your hand. Usually, we think Mark of the Beast, right? Sign on your hand and in your forehead. Frontlet between your eyes to me is like your forehead. Yeah, but kinda. don't you don't you think maybe between your eyes is what you think? Yes. 
in your hand what you do. Yeah. And be careful, little forehead, what you think. That's right. Then thinking and doing it's pretty a pretty big deal. Yeah. So some people it's to be guarded. That's right. Some people it. act before they think, and um, we're all guilty of that for sure. So. Yeah. But it is kind of the opposite of the mark of the beast we see in Revelation. Right. So this it, seems to be Yah's part of his marking. Yeah, and it kind of shows the mark of the beast being a counterfeit, as as is popular for for the enemy's plan, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we do believe by doing these things in the end time judgment kind of thing um, that this sign and mark will protect you. And, and uh, keep you from from the enemy, right? You know, I don't think you have to worry about the mark of the beast if you have the mark of the father, right? So, unless you, like a fool, decided to trade it, but right, that would be really dumb. That would be dumb. And then we're going to look at Exodus fourteen two, um, and this is an interesting topic. Recently, we uh, were um had the privilege of talking to Andy and Stacy Sears who have done a good presentation about the almond tree and uh we do we did a presentation called what was it called the rod and the staff the rod and yep and so we that's a, that's one you can go find where we talk about almond and and a little bit more but uh, this is one of the passages where it mentions that you they go by migdal Right. And uh, you start looking up this word, and, and, and so what does this concept of migdal mean? Right. So when you look at the Hebrew there, it's talking about a tower. Uh, it's actually like uh, origins based in, in Egyptian. But um, when I think of a tower, the purpose of the tower is to look out and see what's coming, right? Especially this being a uh, military-type tower. Um, they're, they're to be looking out or being watchful, right? So uh, that's, that's kind of one of the things that pops up for us. Yeah, and the almond is a symbol of the eye. It's uh, in, in, in just that concept of being watchful. It's shaped like an eye. And it's interesting that in multiple, in, in several different languages, for Polish and Lithuanian for sure, if you look up uh, the word for almond, you're going to see a derivative migdal, right? Which is kind of interesting. So it kind of makes you think there is more to this original word and connected to almonds. Yeah, and so they go by the this camp being watchful, right? And Andy and Stacy, their their site is uh, Righteous Branch. Mm-hmm. Righteous Branch. That's a righteous branch, dude. Yeah. Righteous. So can I close that? Mm -hmm. I think so. Yes. All right. So onward and upward. So the next thing. So we just kind of have a repeat there. So um, and then Exodus 14, 20. Oh, yeah. What were you saying about the pillar and the cloud? So, yeah, it's interesting verbiage here, how it talks about you have the Egyptians coming uh, behind the Israelites and the Israelites are camped out, and the pillar of cloud goes in behind the Israelites to block them from the Egyptians. And it says that it brought darkness to Egypt, to the Egyptians, but it brings light to the Israelites. And so that made me think of the plague of darkness that is 
or the plowge as we have here. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, wait a minute, that looks funny. <laughs> so the plowge of darkness in Egypt uh, was interesting because I, I got to thinking about that this year uh, where I hadn't before that in Goshen, they didn't get this plague of darkness. So you have this uh, center of light amongst all this darkness, yet the people in the darkness can't see that light. And that, it's just a strange concept. Mm -hmm. and, Hard to understand how that works. Yeah. And uh, one of the thoughts that uh, my wife and I had on it was that maybe this plague of darkness that they could feel, it says, right, was a, a blindness. Uh, or maybe there's a, uh, it's the idea of their light being under a bushel basket kind mm -hmm. of a situation. So mm -hmm. I just think that's interesting the way that that plays out. Yeah. How he can be both uh, bring darkness to some and light to others, right? It's him that uh, removes the scales from people's eyes. So there's this kind of concept of, of being able to see what what Yahweh allows mm -hmm. you to. Yeah. No, that's good. And then Exodus 14, 28, all the host of Pharaoh. So, you know, we've often wondered, you know, we, where we often have heard that uh, Pharaoh died in the sea. Mm -hmm. But what do you think, Jake, after looking at this? Is, a is there a possibility that uh, we don't know? Well, I think it's interesting in this, when usually when this question comes up, this is the verse you go to, and it says, uh, you know, all the host of Pharaoh went into the sea and they all, and the sea came in, and not one of them was left. Now, you could look at it like Pharaoh, Pharaoh was part of that host, or you could look at it like, which would imply that he died, or you could look at it like um, he stood aside as his host, right? His armies uh, went after the Israelites, uh, and then they all died, and all the ones that went into the sea died. So you could, you could read it either way, but I think there's a little hint that we'll get to in a couple slides that will kind okay. of give us some clarity, I think. Yep. And then we also looked at Pharaoh in Romans 9, a pot for special use. This is a, a scripture that Jake uh, likes to quote, and uh, for good reason. And so um, I guess I'll read it. So um, in 17, for the scriptures saith unto Pharaoh... Even for this same purpose, I've raised thee that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath mercy on he, though, therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will harden. Uh, that shall say unto me, Who doth he find <laughs> fault? For who has resisted his will? Nay, but O oh man, who art thou? <laughs> repliest against Yahuwah, shall the thing form say to him that formed it, hast thou made me thus? Yeah, so, oh, yeah, go ahead. You Hath keep, keep not going. the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel into honor and another into dishonor? What if Yahuwah, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, ended with much long suffering, the vessel of wrath fitted for destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory and the vessel of mercy which he had before prepared unto glory. 
Yeah. So the whole point here is, you know, it's talking about Pharaoh was created for a special purpose. And we see in this uh, Torah portion that that special purpose was to uh, bring glory to the name of Yahweh. And Mm. so he hardens Pharaoh's heart uh, as part of his, this is what his special purpose was, was to, I mean, and he even tells uh, Moses before he leaves Midian that, that's what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he hardens Pharaoh's heart and is used as a special pot to glorify his name and show his power. Mm-hmm. And then after you're that pot for special use, uh, I don't think there's anything saying he can't put you in the, okay, I'm done with that special pot for special use, put him in the common pot side of things. And now he's he's in the, free will zone, if you will, mm-hmm. kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Pharaoh had free will the whole time. And, yeah. and he just gives him the strength and supports his inclinations. Just like in with the scripture where it says he'll eventually turn people over to their own indulgences. Yeah. Um, he just turned Pharaoh over to what he was already prone to. And Pharaoh just, you know, did exactly like he thought he would. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting scripture, and if you've never studied that, looked at it, I mean, it's pretty hard to argue. You know, I mean, it just plainly says, you know, that uh, this concept uh, exists. Yeah, so. it's the idea of uh, Yahweh's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it says, you know, um, you know, what can the, the the clay can't argue about how it's made? Uh, you know, it just. Um, the the maker made it the way he wanted to shaped it shaped it to his good pleasure basically and and, yeah. and predestined and so people can take this and and create and a whole theology predestiny. out of it right mm-hmm. and, and I don't think that that's necessarily what this is about because uh, to me I, f- I feel like we have free will um, but uh, but it's such a complicated thing because. Uh, he knows the end from the beginning, so he already knows what our free will is going to be. Like what? I don't know. Right, so, and so, so that's why, in my mind, the whole idea of you've you've fulfilled your special pot purpose. Now you're set with the common pots. It's the it that makes so much sense in my mind, anyway, because it still allows you to have. You know, it's still up to you mm-hmm. to make the choice to follow him or not, mm-hmm. even though he's still directed your path to do certain things for his purposes. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And then there's a song in Exodus fifteen nineteen. Jake, would you sing the song? I will not sing the song, but uh, th- this is they get across the Red Sea, and now they're Moses just on the spot <laughs> starts making up this song, and they are you know they're celebrating the fact that they made it through and this is where so is moses a singer songwriter he is he is a fantastic singer or songwriter you think it was folk music sorry <laughs> he probably had a jug no. and some spoons, spoons. <laughs> yeah and maybe slapped a thigh a little bit <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. exactly uh so he says for the horse of pharaoh went in with his chariots and with his horsemen into the sea so you have to get you have to go a whole nother chapter before you get the real answer to that. And to to me, here it sounds like Moses is saying that Pharaoh was in the sea with his chariots and his horsemen 
and so he perished. In Which would imply certain death. Yes. Um, and, you know, I would say most people do believe that and, and do think that, but, it uh, you know, it is interesting. It doesn't specifically say, and Pharaoh died right here. Yeah. Because, you know, it definitely was, he was a big part of the story. Yeah. So, anyway. And then uh, there's this thing with the bitter water. So, have you ever tasted bitter water, by the way? Describe bitter water. I don't know. You know, I tasted vinegar, which I like. Yeah, that's weird. But as far as bitter, just bitter water, I don't know. know. Also, it just shows how how good we have it today. You know, it's not like back in the Oregon Trail days when you could (laughs) die die of dysentery all the time. And drink oh, you that can die of it all the time, <laughs> <laughs> repeatedly, <laughs> and uh, from cholera as well, and wild eagle attacks. But, um, but you know, we don't even have much of a concept of bitter water here. You know, we we don't have uh, many instances where we're drinking our water out of the same water where the dead cow is. That'd probably be bitter water. If so, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe tangy. Maybe a little tang. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what does uh, what are we thinking about the why the water is bitter? Well, we talked about how the the people that come out of Egypt are kind of bitter. You know, um, they just don't quite get it. They're complaining. They want to go back where there were leeks and cucumbers, and there was abundant food apparently in Egypt, and they don't think there's abundant food out in the desert. And um, you also get this concept of there's no coincidence that you've got lots of water here. You've got the Red Sea crossing, which happened, you know, just right before. And then now the water and this, you know, the, the, the letter or word for, for water is meme. And, um, you know, it's just kind of interesting that, you know, maybe the water represents the spiritual condition of where the people are and what's coming from their heart kind of thing. And so what do you think about the tree? You know, he solves the problem by throwing a tree in the water, and then it's just like, mm. <laughs> all better. Yeah, well, it must have been a very sweet-tasting tree, mm. mm-hmm. right? And uh, here we have almond, question mark, because yeah. the almond tree is a very, you know, underrated uh, tree in Scripture. It, it uh, doesn't really get... Uh, noticed as much as it's actually in there um, with it's just all over the place when you start looking mm-hmm. uh, so, and didn't we learn that almonds could be bitter or sweet yeah yeah and what does Yeshua say about something about how can it be made I'm thinking about salt if salt loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again but I was thinking there was something about bitter but maybe not he talks about the uh how can a well produce both? Yes, both sweet or bitter. Sweet and bitter water, mm-hmm. some such mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, and although this was a reference of not a well, but a body of water that did. Yeah. So, but a miraculous intervention happened. Yeah. So, and uh, uh, we also discussed the idea of um, if this is actually talking about you know the spirit of the people. And they have this bitter spirit, this sinful spirit. Mm. Then it takes this, you know, a tree being thrown in there, like Yeshua mm. was hung on a tree, um, to cleanse that spirit of bitterness uh, and make it a sweet savor to Yahweh. 
kind of situation. So there's there's some tie-ins there. Well, and definitely a tie-in to the cup of bitter waters and that Yeshua basically took the curse of the adulterous woman and the bitter waters upon himself. So, and he makes it sweet. Yeah. So, and they offer him the bitter sponge thing mm -hmm. on a stick. Yeah. And like, like we say, we don't claim to know all the answers here, but just uh, some kind of thoughts we had as we, as we went through that. And then you also have a connection possibly between Revelation. We don't read this whole thing, but you know, go read Revelation 8, 7 through 11, and you're, you're going to see uh, about wormwood and the water uh, became wormwood. Right. And they were made bitter. Yep. Matt, what's the difference between being bitter and being better? I don't know. I. I am the difference. Ah, uh, very good. I had wow, a, that was I deep. A, I knew a guy that would say that all the time. Mm -hmm. that's, I thought, good. that's That's pretty interesting. That's good. So then we get into, they start talking about Sabbath keeping um, and... This is before Mount Sinai, right? And he's, this is like right. the first commandment he's giving them is Sabbath keeping. Um, and then he mentions how if you do, and he doesn't tell them what all his commands are going to be. He just says, if you keep all my commands, you will uh, basically stave off the, the plagues of Egypt, the, the sicknesses from Egypt. Um, so... One question I have about that is, if we now uh, return to keeping the commands, uh, why do we see sickness still? Hmm. Well, I mean, that's a good, a good question for sure. You know, why is there sickness in the camp? Um, I have a theory. Okay. So my theory is they were offered this, keep the commands, and you won't have the sicknesses and plagues of Egypt. Mm -hmm. But they didn't do that. Mm -hmm. Ipso facto, now we have the plagues. Even though we return to keeping the commands, we've already screwed this up for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, But I don't know if there's a better explanation out there. Not mm. something I've really tracked down. It's just something I've thought about. It's like you've uh, released the doomsday device and there's yeah. no turning it back. Yeah. And it's now now it's going. Yeah. Now that's uh, definitely interesting. And, you know, no coincidence that we're seeing diseases around the world. One particular one. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, you kind of have to look at that and go, yeah. Yeah, that's that's part of the consequence probably for not following Torah. And unfortunately, I feel like we know we're going to see worse. Yeah. And, and, and could this be part of the birth pains? Yeah. And uh, they're going to be more frequently and more severe. Yeah. So definitely some things to, to think about and, and more reasons to consider keeping the Sabbath if you don't. So study those things out. See what you think. Yep. See where it takes you. And then you have the whole thing about Moses raising his hands. You know, the and the one night with my family, my youngest son's like, oh, pff, I can do that a long time. So we, we were eating, <laughs> and, and so we started a timer. 
and uh, and of course, you know, it doesn't take long. And in the course of the evening, they everyone forgets that this is happening. And um, but one person in the room, my wife, paid attention to how long it happened, and he could do it like fifteen minutes, <laughs> and he was done. He just put his arms down. He should have sat on a rock. I guess so. Yeah, he should have had been her holding his, <laughs> right and, and his buddy holding and his Aaron, arms up. Yeah. yeah. Um, yep, so that happens. And then uh, this one here I thought was interesting. Uh, so in Exodus 17, 13, you have, this is during the battle. Um, it says Joshua, which we know is... Yeshua. Uh, he defeats the Amalekites with the edge of the sword, it says. Which reminds me of the end times. Right when Yeshua returns and he smites everyone with the edge of the sword, mm -hmm. and smote smoteth them. Yeah, he smite smite he's almighty smiter smite those who shall be smoten. Mm. And so, um, and we know that the Amalekites are who we war against. Kind of like the, the sheep and the goats. Yeah, it's this. Uh, it's our common enemy throughout the ages, right? The Amalekites and Yahweh, Yeshua, returns and puts puts an end to that with the well, end of the sword. And we see it even with Saul. Saul showed them mercy, and uh, and then because he shows the, that king mercy later on, you get a descendant from him called Haman, who uh, definitely was anti-Semitic <laughs> and yeah. hated the Jewish people, and uh, we kind of see that. It's still continuing today. There's groups of people and that still do that. Hitler yeah. would be one and be really be a long list of many. Right. Haman was the Hitler of the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the tables got turned on him. So yeah. if you, you know, for this week, we, some of you may have done Purim or celebrated it on some level. You know, that's one of those holidays. It's not officially listed in Leviticus and, um, you know, commanded necessarily to do, but we know that our forefathers did. Yeah, and for, for and these we know reasons. they didn't do it as a Jewish Halloween. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> no, no. It was not like uh, eyes wide shut or anything, anything crazy like that. <laughs> I think that's the Stanley Kubrick movie where Nicole Kidman and they do lots of weird craziness. Nothing I like don't that. Know. <laughs> I, th I think they masquerade, or, I don't know, have okay. costumes in that or something. But, 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 but I think um, Matt's saying go watch that movie. And, and no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I don't think I've ever watched it. Uh, maybe we should do movie reviews. And, we should, and maybe not even halfway know what we're talking about sometimes, like <laughs> <Yeah>. right now. <laughs> But and I think a guy comes in. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be riveting. Riveting. Yes, uh, riveting. Riveting. But go study what Purim is. You know, if you've never checked that out and consider it, and definitely look at the biblical roots of it, and not what tradition tells you. But anyway, so that kind of wraps up week sixteen when he sent Exodus thirteen seventeen. So tell us the name of it again. Be shellac. Be shellac. So go forth and be shellac, y'all. Be shellac. Peace out.